Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Lacey Partipillo, what's up? Good to have you back. Happy to be here. Nothing going on in your world, is there? Not so much. <laughs> can we drop that, that we news we can, right here? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, we can tell the listeners. I am expecting uh, a number, baby in, Nove- in November. Number two. Number two, yep. Don't know what the gender is No, we're going to wait. Okay. We're going to be surprised, I think. That's exciting. It is. So the, then the concern for listeners is what's going to happen? We have you on monthly on the podcast. We can just bring the baby <laughs> onto the podcast. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We'll pre-record some stuff. Yeah. We'll make sure there's plenty of content for awesome. the listeners. That makes me happy. But I also think you need to have all that time off with your new baby. Yeah. So. I'm excited. It should be. It'll be fun. Very new adventure. Yep. We're back for What's Up in the Workplace, episode number three. Uh, we've got three articles for you today. I'm going to start, I'm going to kick things off. The title of this particular article, it's tired of having to check work email after hours. New Yorkers may not have to if this bill passes. And this was in CNN, uh, March 28th, 2018 by Doug Chris. I'm just going to go over key key points from the article. It's pretty short. Uh, we'll put a link up in the show notes as we always do. Uh, so basically, this this bill is uh, called Disconnecting from Work. It was introduced by a city council member from Brooklyn that this bill would make it illegal for businesses to contact employees via email or text instant message, uh, probably text, yeah. I would assume, when employees are off work. Yeah. Seems a little gray to me. It, it applies to businesses with 10 plus employees. So small, very small businesses are off limits, the startups right. in the world. That rely on one another, yeah. right? Uh, employers who violate this would pay a fine of $250 and $500 to the employee. Exceptions, there are exceptions, employees who work overtime or who are on call for 24 hours a day. Right. So what do you think about this? I don't know. Having, you know, being an employee that oftentimes is gets tapped after hours. I mean, I, I guess I can see it from both sides. I can see the employer frustration probably for these small businesses that send out information to employees that's informational only and don't require a response. So I'm curious about that. Like if these new regs are going to not allow you to do that. So you'd have to, I guess, know who's off work before you're sending company-wide communications. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. And then the, the whole question of like, do we allow employees to have access to email on their mobile yeah, devices? Yeah, do, do you just shut it off? Yeah, I th- I think... There's a no way to do that. There is, and I've advised my clients that have non-exempt employees that are hourly. Hmm. You know, you have to pay them for any time that you suffer or permit them to work. So if we're putting emails on their phones and they're looking at that, that's work time. Whether you ask them to do it or they did it on their own volition... So I think that would be something that employers need to to take a look at. But I get it from the employee perspective. You know, we want to have this work-life balance. And that's something we talk about a lot here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And how do you do that if your employer is tapping you all the time? Like the questions that come to mind with something like this, where you introduce a law to inevitably change behavior. And it ultimately is what you're trying to do is 
prohibit employers from giving employees access to to do email and not get paid for it, but also for employees to say like, hey, you don't have to. It's, it's not required. Uh, but you force it in in a form of a law, whereas I think there's there's culturally that some something needs to change. I know. Yeah. And I, I think that also when when we allow the information to be shared when people are off that gives employees, you know, transparency, communication. We talk about how important that is. So I wonder what it would do in terms of just limiting the flexibility that employees have to be able to be connected and also spend time with family. We we talk about how yeah. those lines you know, get blurry and how that can be a benefit. And I can't remember times. what, what's your stance on you personally? Do you like to have the lines blurred of like work and personal, or do you like to just shut it off? I think it depends. You know, when I took my sabbatical, um, last December, That's, I shut, shut off. it like, off. I, was, I mean, you need to, I yeah. checked out, but I'm somebody who has one phone. I don't keep it separate because yeah. I did for a little while and I just ended up carrying two phones around, which so kind of got annoying. I got rid of that. Yeah. So I just <laughs> have the one, um, I try to be respectful. My, my other daughter, she's eight. So she's like keeping me on check. And so it's other like, daughters. Yeah. I mean, you think you're having a, a girl? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, my other kiddo. Yeah, yeah um, there you go. She, you know, no phones at the table. She's she's helping good, me you good. Know, be accountable. But it's kids, hard to kids get. Kids are accountable. Like it's crazy how they will call you out. They, they will. have no shame in they doing will. that. They will. And so does my husband. So good. trying. I try to, you know, it's important to me. So yeah. I tell people about that. And then my friends and family, you know, help me try to be accountable. But I yeah. care about what I do. And so... Sometimes you can get sucked in. Yep. What I, what I've noticed with with why people even respond in the first place is it seems to be a behavior thing at the top. So your manager uh, maybe emails you, uh, or it's a common thing with leadership, and then uh, because you want to say I'm a team player, and impress them, and impress them, you you respond, and then then you're known as that person that always responds, and then now it becomes this this cycle of everybody's now not necessarily expected. It's just become ingrained in the culture that, Hey, let's just respond after hours. And when you're accessible on your vacation, then people tend to think you might always be. So then when you really do want to check out that can create problems from the team thinking they're going to be able to get a hold of you. Um, there are techniques that I have used, you know, if it helps me to feel sane to have emails responded to, I might save them as drafts, um, in my inbox so that I can send the emails in the morning. Cause I want to set a good example for the people that report to me too, about, you know, it's important to have our personal time, but you're right. It comes from the top and yeah. what is role modeled on leadership teams is definitely something that other folks are going to emulate. My personal, I'm, I'm so on the other side of like, we need a law to, to, to take care of this. I mean, in some cases you do, I think this is something that shouldn't be forced. Um, I think it should be changed at the top and it should just be an understanding like if in going to solutions, if that means shutting off the server or leadership literally needs to put their phone away, kind of like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what needs to happen. I, th- I think policing a law like this would be next to impossible. I don't know how you even administratively do it. And the, f- the fines seem yeah. pretty significant to me, especially $500 to the employee. What if it's like so, a, a five minute response? That, so this is the funny thing is, it, on the surface, yeah, it looks like a, a really high fee, but that's nominal in compared to like, what happens if you get a complaint and now all of a sudden attorneys are now going through server logs to see if somebody got texted or responded at right. this time. Attorneys are the ones winning. Exactly. And there's <laughs> fines and penalties and, and things on top of that that you'd be forced to pay if employees that are, again, hourly non-exempt yeah. workers are entitled to wages they weren't receiving. Yeah. So 
just summing up, I don't know what happened to this. This is from a, a month or so ago. I bet you this gets shot down. Yeah, I think I think it's think? it's to be determined. But I I do think that um, we're seeing trends like this that are definitely in favor of of employees and um, wanting to ensure that they can balance yep. um, what they have going on personally and professionally. I get so it. Be I interesting. Okay, what do you got for us? Okay, so I found this article. This is another recent article from March um, from Sherm Society for Human Resource Management. You love the, the Sherm articles. I do. I do. <laughs> they they come into my inbox because yeah. I sign up for yeah, the alerts. Yeah. Right. This one is called the Miserable Middle Managers. Ooh. New technology, fewer meetings, and continued learning can help ease their stress. So that's kind of what the article talks about. Yeah. So it points out. There was some research that was done um, back in 2015 is one of the surveys that they talk about. Researchers at Columbia University, they surveyed about 22,000 full-time workers and they found that 18% of the supervisors and managers reported symptoms of depression, which is pretty sad. And so they dug a little bit deeper on this and sort of found this profile for the bottom 5%. And these were the things that those people in that profile had. So they had earned a college degree, but not a graduate degree. So they've got undergrad degrees. They had five to 10 years tenure. They worked as mid-level managers, and they received good as opposed to superior or terrible performance ratings in the past year. Hmm. So this is the, you and me right here, right? In, the, in this bucket <laughs> yep. of these, yep. these middle managers. That's what I thought about. So, so they, they, they give some tips to, <clears throat> yep. to folks Make them on less miserable. How to make your middle managers <laughs> less miserable. Because right, well, it, it comes from the top. So if your managers totally are miserable, what's the chances that their teams are going to be? It's the, the point about the meetings totally resonates with me because that's what makes me miserable, to be perfectly honest with you. I'm, oh, re- I know I'm, really, you. I'm really vocal about it too. Like for somebody who wants a meeting, like if you schedule an hour and you fill up an hour with air and just talking over each other, I'm going to be really mad about it. Oh yeah. Like, because you, you won't hold it back either. I have <laughs> uh, so much to do, right? I got to edit these podcasts and I got to write content and yeah. email campaign. There's, you know, countless things that we all have got to do stuff. Right. And I just think that the meetings is what ultimately makes us miserable because we have work to do mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm can't get to it i know well they talk about when it comes to having too many meetings they're talking about this this shift that leaders have to do where you're going from being on the leadership team and a lot of people are working managers so there's this this can be this challenge between i've got these responsibilities you and i are in this boat right we've got regular jobs too in addition to to managing teams so i'm having to kind of flip back and forth between managing my team, being on the leadership team and doing my job yep. and that that can create stress and stress can then create in some cases, it seems like maybe even, you know, signs of depression. So Gosh. trying to eliminate the unnecessary meetings, making sure that meetings have a purpose, a set agenda that they're moving work forward yeah. is what they talk about. Also technology. So explain, explain that. Yeah. Is it technology is making them more miserable or augmenting with augmenting the people stuff with technology solutions is what's going to make them less miserable. That's what's going to help. So if we can find ways to eliminate some of the administrative burden that managers and really all employees face in their day-to-day jobs, that might help sort of soften the load that these managers are having to do. So they give an example of like performance management. So if supervisors are you know, responsible for tracking performance reviews. And we've got a really archaic way of doing that. And maybe they have to keep track of it in a calendar or an Excel mm-hmm. spreadsheet. 
finding ways to automate that is going to help supervisors yeah. to f- just eliminate stress, remove the administrative burden from their jobs. It's, it's funny. Uh, so yesterday we've been talking for the longest time. We have a lot of different tools, right, that we're using for communication purposes and document storage and all that. And uh, some of our teams are using Slack for a couple, like our culture team is using Slack, which oh, is I love a that. I communication didn't know that. team. Yeah, we just wanted to try it out because we are so email heavy and then finding stuff is really hard. Communicating when it was small groups is really hard because you have email chains and copying and BCC it bogs and down the, your bogs down computers. the computer. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we're rolling out Microsoft teams, which is, uh, which is a collaboration tool. It's project management and in some ways our task management. And, it's got some features of Slack. It's really similar to that and some other there's other tools that are mm-hmm. just like this. But there's video integration. There's cool. there's all sorts of stuff. You can add GIFs if you want. The point is that I'm trying to make is these sort of things could on the surface streamline what you're doing from a communication standpoint. Mm-hmm. That makes you miserable. Like to go align calendars with somebody or to find a file or to find an old email string. Oh man. Now this is on demand. It's like you have you have these in separate areas. It's really easy to access people. If you can't get an in-person meeting, you can just like do a little group chat with somebody with three, four or five people if you need to. And you you can do it remotely. I love that. So that would make me so much happier. And I'm already seeing the benefits of this yeah. tool. It'll be rolled out soon. But can I, can I share something that makes me yeah. nervous about that kind of please, stuff too? Please do. So I have seen, I have a ton of clients that have those those types of programs and Slack is one that, that comes to mind that people use yeah. just as a means to communicate between teams. Oftentimes though, it's viewed as a less formal means of communication, sure. yeah. like instant messaging um, or texting. So they're using language like, like that and they're yes. not using any formality. Yes. Yeah talking about work-related subjects. And so what I have seen happen is that these conversations can quickly go sideways and just Mm. wearing my HR hat and then also paying attention to, is that stuff discoverable if we have an employee who complains? Sure is. It's on a server. Absolutely. So making sure that if you are going to implement a a technology like that, there's training involved, employees understand the purpose of it and the types of conversations that are allowed to to happen on those channels, I think is really important. So if you're going to roll something out like that, just be thinking about it. It's the same as email communication. I couldn't have said it better myself, honestly, like with technology. Yeah, it can solve a lot of problems, but if it's not thoughtfully done and planned out and you just like implement it without putting any thought into any legal stuff that could come up down the road or structure to it, you can actually make life worse down the road. Yeah. And it's all that stuff. It doesn't go away, right? It exists forever. So, okay. So (laughs) on to the last recommendation they have, it's around professional development. And I feel so strongly about this. A lot of supervisors grow up with companies. They're the highest performing person in the role. And then what happens? They get promoted and they don't have leadership skills. They didn't get training. They don't have the education around that. And I just feel so strongly that supervisors need training. They need us to invest in them just like we are with all of our employees. So finding opportunities to give them that professional development can be a way to mitigate the stress, give them tools they need so they're not so miserable in their jobs. I agree. What, what's your favorite form of like professional development? Like if you're going to be less miserable as a manager, what what do you want? <sighs> That's so tough. I am definitely not. I mean, we're you and I are very different. I am yeah. not the kind of person that's going to read a book and feel like, wow, I learned so much. I can go sure. implement this. Yeah. I'm more hands-on type learning. So opportunities to go to workshops where I can practice yeah. techniques, 
shadowing with more senior folks on the team. Absolutely. Um, throw me in the deep end, let me figure it out, make mistakes Our and get fields better. Couldn't be more different though. It's like you're in HR. So you need the hands-on experience me in marketing. I can get all my education from like following people on LinkedIn and reading books and blog posts. Yeah. Y- totally different world workshops mm-hmm. for me make no sense because by the time somebody's built a curriculum, it's, it's already, outdated. Out, it's already outdated. So I've even books to a certain extent. Yeah. So it's, it, there's no one size fits all for professional development. So I, I would encourage people like if you're going to make your middle managers going back to the article less miserable, you need to ask them yes. what's important to them mm-hmm. and what's going to make the biggest impact in your growth. It should right. be a collaborative thing. It shouldn't be all on them and it shouldn't be all on the employer. Right. And, and giving them resources and a budget so that they can invest in themselves, I think is important. Yep. So just some cool ideas to help your, yeah. your managers ha- you know, have better morale. Yep. Thank you for bringing that article to us. All right. I'm going to end this thing with the, with the bang. <laughs> I found this one on medium. So mm-hmm. a bunch of free thinkers on, on medium. <laughs> this one is called ask your coworkers what they make. You'll earn more. Uh, this is by Nick Casella. So the disclaimer I want to make on this one is it's really written from an employee's point of view. Absolutely. Pro employee, which is great. And it seems to be really partisan in terms of like political stance. I'm not going to get into that stuff. I, but I do think, even though I don't agree with a lot of what's in this article, <laughs> I, <laughs> and you know why, because you know my political views, um, I, I tend to look at this as a great conversation starter because yeah. there's an inherent issue in wage disparity, equal pay. Absolutely. And this, like if you, unless you've been under a rock, you, you should know that this exists. And Absolutely. the fact that employees have less information than employers, and that's what probably is causing some stagnation in certain areas. So, and when people don't have the information, they're going to make stuff up. Yep. That's exactly right. So I want to make some points from this article, uh, really summarize it and then kind of bring some of my thoughts to it. So Nick, the, the author tells a story about he's asking for his first raise and he asked for $44,000 a year. And the thing is, he didn't know what the five other five other employees made. So when his boss came back and said, I can offer you 42 grand, he didn't even balk at it. He just said, okay, because he had no information. The right. employer has information. Right. So then he kind of goes on to say that talking about pay or thinking about pay tends to be taboo. Right. And it's just not part of our culture. Even we leave it out of the, our homes. We don't even really talk about money at home. I know. So, um, and but, many employers have you know, maybe not even legally, depending on the state that you're in policies that prohibit employees from discussing wages. Yeah. So employers are even trying to communicate that message from the top that not only is it taboo, but it's it's something that could result in disciplinary action. Absolutely. So, so there, on one hand of the spectrum, like, or one side of it, you have employers having most of the leverage because they, they hold all the information. The employee holds nothing. But we've been seeing tools like Glassdoor and LinkedIn. They have all these salary inputs where employees are now starting to see what the general market based on the inputs are. Yeah. And it's it's totally skewed because employees, I don't think, know the full toll comp picture. And they start making assumptions. Oh, I can get more money here or this is what I'm worth. But they're not looking at industries and all the demographic data. And so they, they might leave. Yeah. So employers holding all the information is bad for both the employee and for them because you might have somebody bail when if you just let them understand what was part of your pay structure, they might have 
been a partner and, and like, how do we get to the next level? What's tier two look like or whatever mm-hmm. your structure might look like. So the other, the other thing he was, he was saying like in a true competitive in, uh, market, having equal access to the information would be like a true perfect knowledge uh, mm-hmm. market. I think that's you. That's utopia, a, a <laughs> utopian view. I think it's great. It would be a true market, like access to every piece of information at any given time that right. would make everybody better. I, it's not realistic. And in, in America, we certainly do not have that. But he also suggests that like keeping wages private is what has stagnated wages from an economic standpoint. What do you think about that? I think there's some truth to it because like people are less likely to negotiate yeah. maybe if they don't know what, what the full information is. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know what to think about that. He, he goes on to say, and this is where it really started getting political. He goes on to say like, oh, well, unions, because unions pay, pay uh, rates were, were known and you're more likely to negotiate because you have a union rep. Um, unions are more likely to negotiate with the employer that you're, you're more likely to get those, those bigger raises every year. Whereas employees are, they're working on their own behalf. And some people, you know, maybe you, you're not likely to ask for a raise, but I would be mm-hmm. because of whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, sometimes you see that they talk about, you know, the gender disparity and oftentimes, you know, when it comes to an offer of employment, generally speaking, yeah. a male candidate is going to be more likely, and I don't know yep. what the percentages, but to negotiate that offer than, I believe it. than a female. So, yeah, I believe it. You know, it's interesting because the his topic about unions, I know of several, and the challenge with, with that kind of environment is that the supervisors are sort of held hostage to increases because of the pay bans. Yeah. So there's no flexibility, and merit increases turn into cost of living increases. Yeah. And, and nobody likes those. No. No, I mean we people want people want to be paid for you know high performance. Maybe low performing employees yep. want to get the same as as their high performing counterparts. But so I think there's a flip side to that that piece around unions are going to negotiate for me. I think it maybe allows there to be you know a seat at at the table, the bargaining table, but it's not a promise of getting anything more. Yeah, honestly, like th- why I think this article is a good one is it just brings an issue to light. And in for employers, because this is an employer focused podcast, this is an employee topic. But employers should recognize the fact that if the the risk in not giving a little bit more information on pay structure and what what went into like here's your pay here's what went into it and why we're giving you what you're given is that people may just make some assumptions on their yes. own based on like I got a glass door alert that uh, right before you and I started recording that said like oh as a marketing director here's what your pay should be <laughs> you know what I mean like yeah. it's this is the stuff that it's noise and mm-hmm. if I was just making decisions on my own without uh, involving the employer. And I just said, here's what I'm worth. I need to go out and get it. And I just left. And the, everybody else would be like, why did he leave? Yeah. And it's surface data. It's not surface necessarily data. information that is comparing, you know, this organization to other ones of similar size and revenue and location and yep. industry. And employees need to be educated about all of that. I am an advocate for being transparent about with employees about how much their job, the job they're in yeah. is worth. So people know what, what the sort of cap is at some point a job is only worth so much and if employees aren't educated about that and don't know that they have unrealistic expectations so i think being transparent about that i don't know about you know opening up all that information you know for everyone i don't think so i mean total transparency of wages that might 
bringing jealousy and, and all that. I truly think it's, you know, being aware of pay bands, um, structures, philosophies, the multiplier, whatever you put it into your philosophy, but also understanding that a title doesn't necessarily equal a certain wage. Like I got an alert about a marketing director job, but like if you actually look at my job duties, maybe I'm something else, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think people make some sweeping generalities about, uh, gen- or generalizations about what they're actually doing yes. or what they're doing based on the title. But really like Tyler, our compensation analyst, he would say, what does a job description say? Yeah, what he's are you not going to go off a title. No, he's not. He does yeah. not. And, yeah, and, and for then, employers that are wondering what goes into the wage surveys, it's the job descriptions mm-hmm. and then the demographic data about your company and industry. Right. It's not the title. No, because a, a director of marketing in a 10-person company is so very different. different than a director of marketing at Nike. Absolutely. Right? So we got to compare apples to apples. And I think encouraging employees to have conversations like this and equipping managers on how to talk about pay with their employees is important because... Yeah. Just speaking for myself, being being a manager of people, I talk to supervisors all the time about how to do this. But when you're on the spot with an employee who's either asking for more money or asking about the potential for their job, we need to be equipped with information so we can respond so we don't lose credibility and so that we yep. can speak you know, on behalf of the company. One last thing I'd say just about like action items for employers who are listening to this is I would say that as a, as a middle manager, going back to that second article, it's like also what drives us nuts is not having information. So if you don't give us the tools to be able to, to as we're working with our employees and they have questions about what goes into their pay, if you don't give us tools on the philosophy, you're, you're setting us up for failure. You're, you're truly making us a middleman. Whereas, and uncomfortable. Whereas if we are an extension of the, the executive team, we should be basically saying... I'm on board with what the executive team is doing because I've bought into the philosophy and I can relay that to the employee. Mm-hmm. And I'm a hundred percent backed on that versus if you just say, here's the number, go tell your employee. Like right. I don't, I don't have any tie to that. I don't, no. I don't know what went into that. Um, and you're inevitably going to get questions that yeah. you're maybe not going to know the answer to. And not everybody that's a supervisor is also out consulting on HR. Yep. And even those of us that are, we, we need to understand the why and yep. how the number got created. Absolutely. So going over philosophies, uh, sharing some, some data on wages and what you're mm-hmm. willing to pay people and pay bans, anything that really goes into it. I think that would help managers quite a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So that fun discussion. I I love, love these articles that we got. So listeners, if you have any articles or topics that you want us to discuss, email me my uh, email address in the show notes. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to contact me. Lacey, where are you at? Same LinkedIn. um, You can put my email in the show notes too, um, or Instagram as well. Yeah. Please, please, please. If you're on Apple Podcasts, go give us a review. A five star would be great. It helps people find the show and we've had crazy growth in the last few months and i think it's because of these these podcasts I, I right too. yeah and we <laughs> want to we want to keep it going we need to know how we're doing yeah. and um knowing that you guys like what we're, we're talking about yeah. we'll keep it going and more importantly uh feedback on this particular episode would be great we've got a new uh, microphone set up today so if you like the quality and it was better let us know about that so yeah. uh lacy awesome to have you here thanks for dropping yeah. the announcement too yeah on, thanks on for letting me do it on yeah. the show all right we'll catch you next time okay Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. 
Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com. <laughs>